Good evening, everyone. Happy New Year. It's hard to think it's a, another year's past, but uh, I'm kind of glad the holidays are behind us. They kind of wear me out. But I enjoy the time that uh, away from work and spending time with family that we normally don't get to do, you know, during most of the year. So I'm very thankful for that. Before we begin our study tonight, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this, this privilege and this opportunity that we have to open up your word and to study it. And we pray that it will be nourishment, it will be spiritual nourishment for us to strengthen us, to help us along our way. We pray that as we discuss and as we read into your word, we pray that that we will interpret it and understand it as you would have us to. And we're just so thankful for your word and the inerrancy of it. We're thankful that we have it to to learn from it. We're, we're thankful for the, all the examples and the stories that are there that help us along our way. We ask you also at this time to be with those who are sick, those who may have lost loved ones. Please forgive us of our sins and be with us through the remainder of this hour and as we journey uh, to our homes. All these things we ask in your son's name. Tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. And we're going to start with verse, we're going to do verses 1 through 8 to start with, and then hopefully we'll have some discussion. Tonight, we're talking about persistent prayer. We must have persistent perseverance in our prayer life. Persistent in meaning is existing for a long or longer than usual time or continuously. Luke 18, beginning at verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show them that all times that they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in the city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent." For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice For his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What is a parable? There's lots of parables in the Bible. What is a parable? Okay. I looked it up. And this was the definition that I found. Short story that illustrates a moral attitude or a religious principle. And I thought that was, seemed like it was 
in alignment for what for the parables that we read. A lot of times it is also to put something that may be hard to understand for some people into a, a form that they can understand. You know, something that they're used to or something that they're familiar with. Jesus begins by saying that men always ought to pray and not lose heart in verse 1. What does it mean to lose heart? Okay, give up, be discouraged. What else? How about unfocused? We lose our focus. You know, we're so, our culture today, we're so busy by so many different, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, social media platforms, our cell phones, everything, television, computers, emails. We're so distracted and unfocused in a way, and our minds are pulled all over the place, and sometimes it's easy to be discouraged or to lose heart. Unpersistent, maybe. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay? All right, verse 2. There was, there was a judge, a city official, who was not a God-fearing man, who had no regard for man, I'm assuming it would be showing no partiality. He was not influenced easily by either. And in verse 3, this widow woman comes to this judge and requests of him to get justice from my adversary, which would be how the New King James words it, or the American Standard Version would be legal protection. The scripture tells us that the judge would not would not for a while, and it plainly says that he was not influenced by God or man to make a quick judgment. And in verse 5, it tells us, Because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming, or as the New King James Version would, would say, but in American Standard, it says, Wear me out which I thought it's kind of interesting the way they worded that. In verse 6, Jesus responds, Do you not hear what the unjust judge said? Shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night, which would be persistent to him? Though he bears long with them, this is where, as Christians, we must be persistent. In our prayers. Verse 8, Jesus goes on to say, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Now I have a challenge question. Through your prayer life, your example, the decisions you make, will it have an effect 1,000 years from now? The influence you have today will it have an effect a thousand years from now? Have you ever thought about that? I'm getting to that. But exactly, that's, that's, that's where we're headed. Have you ever thought about that? A thousand years from now. What you do today, is it going to affect someone? I think so. I think the Bible tells us that. Um, and that's why we need to be persistent. Every day. 
Okay. Okay. Danny says the decisions that we've already made as being Christians will affect us because we will be with God one day, whenever that time frame may be. And Chuck already stole my thunder, but Second Peter 3, 8 through 9, um, that it, it talks about how God talks about a thousand years as, is as a day. Okay, moving on to verse 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, continued after the thousand years as a day. You know, it's hard to think about what the things we do today we just think about that, that they're going to affect our immediate people that we associate with, our family. But when you look, look back on things, especially those of us who are a little older, I don't consider myself old, but I have passed the half-century mark, and uh, I can look back and, and I've, I see where decisions have been made and how they have affected long-term things and hopefully they will affect things long into the future sometimes it's hard to realize that until you can look back and see the effect that things have you know we when when we first started lads to leaders here trying to develop our young people at, at that point in time we didn't realize the importance of of the effect that it was going to have on our young people and I think now that we look back and we we've been doing this now here for, um, I'm trying to think now, Haley's 31, she was four years old the first time I went to Lads Leaders. And most of the young people you see today that are up here giving lessons, that are preaching sermons, that are leading singing, they get up and lead prayer, they were influenced by the Lads the Leaders program. And that's just a, a little example of a decision that was made that over time, it's going to affect a lot of people, you know, and that's that's why it's so important that we are persistent, persistent. All right, let's turn over to Luke chapter 11, and let's start at verse 5. Luke 11 at verse 5. This is kind of picking up to where we left off uh, two weeks ago, uh, where Jesus was teaching the apostles how to pray beginning at verse 5, and I'm going to go through um, 18. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing set to set before him. And from inside he answered and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, 
and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's 13. I can't even read my own writing. I said 8. Jesus here, just after teaching his disciples to pray in Luke 11, 1 through 4, says to them, If one of you goes to a friend late at night and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. A friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Here we have a friend who is visited by a friend from another town far away. This traveler is in need of food. So the friend he requests the bread from has no bread. He goes to another one of his friends and requests the same for his other friend at midnight. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? There's three friends here. A friend of a friend and then a friend of another friend who don't know the first friend is is how I'm reading it. In short, in verse 7, he says it is late. My family is already in bed. Come back at a more convenient time. Jesus goes on to say he will not get up just because he is his friend. He will get up because of his persistence. He will give him as much as he needs. Now, what can we learn from this? How can we be prepared? You have three friends here. Who's prepared, who's not prepared, who's willing to help at any time, and who's willing to help at a convenient time? Have you ever thought about that by reading this? The first friend, number one, he was not ashamed to ask for help in time of need. That's what I get from the first friend. It didn't matter what time of night. He had... He, had enough faith in this friend that he could go to him anytime and ask him for help, and he does. Friend two, which is the, the, the one who is on his journey, he was not ashamed to ask for help either. And maybe he should have been. Maybe he should have been prepared better to help, had a, and also he had a resource to go to. The other friend, friend three, because of inconvenient time, was, was not able, was able but not willing to help. What do we learn from this? The first friend goes on a journey. He goes to a friend's house, and he's requesting help from that friend. But he's on a journey. The friend that he goes to, he's at his house. He's at his home. Maybe the guy showed up unexpectedly and he just didn't have enough to provide for his friend. But he had resources. So he goes to another friend to help. To help him. Help another friend. And what does he get? Go away. It's late. My family's in bed. It's not a good time. I think this thing's quick. 
does, does times that we need help always come at a convenient time? Usually not. It's usually at an inconvenient time. But what, what, what could we learn from um, the friend who goes to the other friend and asks for help? Should he not have been more prepared too? He was unprepared. But then he goes to another friend at an inconvenient time and expects him to help him. And he, he assumes he's prepared. So you see, whatever time it is, we should be willing to help in some form or fashion. All right. Something else, too, you, you could also relate this to our biblical knowledge. When someone comes to us, we could, and instead of it being bread or something to eat, something physical, when someone comes to us for biblical knowledge and help, spiritual help, we should be prepared. And if we're not, we should at least have a resource to go to. You know, some of us are more gifted in evangelism than others. Some of us are more gifted in uh, knowing the Bible and particulars in and out of it. But we should always try to be prepared and try to uh, have a resource to go to, you know, in that aspect. Right? Okay. You know, we've, we've talked about um, um, the time frame of God is not the same as ours. You know, we talked about Zacharias and how many years it took for for him to have a son. And I'm sure he was very persistent at first about praying for that, but he probably finally gave up. But his persistence paid off. You know, it it finally happened, and it it just didn't happen as quick as he thought it should happen. And my favorite part of these scriptures here is in in, in verse 9. And Jesus continues, So I say to you, ask, and I have in quotations here, would be to pray, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, when we talk about praying persistently, if you'll notice in these verses, this is where our part comes in. All of these are action verbs. Ask is the verb of action, which would be our prayer to God. And if we do so, we will be given. We will receive. If we seek another verb of action... I have study slash look for God. We will find God. Knock is another verb of action. And I would take this as is to pursue opportunities. We ask, we knock, remember we seek, and then we knock. And these opportunities would be what? What what would be some opportunities that would be when we knock and a door opens, what could that be? 
Okay. So it could be anything. It, it, it could be an opportunity for uh, evangelism. It could be uh, when a door opens for benevolence to help someone. Um, it could be encouragement to someone. You know, we're, we're always asking God for, for things. We're always asking God for various things. Um, and we're always seeking his word for guidance. And, you know, there's different doors of opportunity that's going to open up for us. If, if we persistently pray to him and we persistently study his word. Right? All right. Okay. Matthew 7. Okay. Okay. It's a good point. Good point. We all have different resources, different talents. Another part I'd like to kind of hit on is at the end of in verse 13, where it talks about if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you will, flip over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read, start reading in at verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings to help, to, with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these who he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? who will bring a charge against God's elect. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake, we being, were being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that not hit it right on the head about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us? That's very comforting to me. You know, sometimes we, 
Um, I know me personally, sometimes I feel like I'm repetitive in my prayers. I don't know if any of y'all feel that way. And I try not to be. But I think it's our human nature that we, we're almost like we, we cut a record and then we bring the needle back over and it plays again. And it's, and it's not that we're not praying from the heart and it's not that we're not sincere in our prayer. I think it's human nature. I know everyone that gets in this pulpit, if, 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 if you've been here for any time, you already know some things that that person's going to say. And that's another part of our human nature, is our memory. We remember that voice, and we remember the particulars that people pray. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying it's, that's part of it. And it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to not be repetitive. I know Lori and I, now that we're empty nesters, you know, when we pray for our food, a lot of times she's already eating, and I come in late, and then I start praying, and I'm like, I'll bless her food, and... I don't feel right by sitting there saying, bless my food, but it's just kind of awkward. But just things things that you pray and you just, you know, it feels like it's repetitive. Okay. All right. We've got ten minutes. Is there any comments, questions before I move on? I don't think it's the same thing. All right. Same mistake. I'm glad you brought that up because my next question was, Outside of being thankful, what is it we pray for? Outside of thanking God for various things, what do we pray for the most? Okay, sickness. Right? Okay. What else do we pray for? The sick. We pray for His will to be done. Pray for our leaders. Pray for forgiveness. The lost. Peace. Guidance. Guidance. What else? <laughs> you know, our, our thankful prayers, um, I think, are good. God needs to know that we're thankful for what he's done for us, that we're thankful for the prayers that he has answered in whatever way. Um, well, sometimes when we pray for the sick... We want the sick to get better, but we also want his will to be done. Um, you know, uh, caring for elderly people, uh, it humbles you. And you learn a lot from, from caring for your parents when they're dying. And it, it teaches you a lot. It humbles you, and it also... It also uh, it brings the reality of how fragile and how short life can be, you know. So, a lot of times when we have to deal with those kind of things, we do want that person to get better. But we also know that life is life. People are going to die. But it teaches us, and it teaches our kids. It teaches everyone who is involved with that process. And it's, um, you know, it's hard. But it's part of life. It's part of life. So, um, all right. That's a good point. Very good point. All right. I've been thinking a lot about. Um, right. 
Yeah, I've thought a lot about praying without ceasing. And, you know, I've, I've learned one thing. If, if we meditate a lot and pray to God, it keeps our mind where it needs to be. Anytime my mind wants to wander, I want to get road rage or whatever, it, that's when it's time to pray. You know, keep it, keep it where it needs to be. Okay, we've got five minutes, and one of my questions, one of my last questions was going to be, other examples of persistent people in the Bible. Um, one of the ones that come to my mind, and my wife, who's much smarter than I am, mentioned Noah. And I did some research, and uh, I found this article on Noah, and I thought it was very good. And if you will, I'm, I'm just going to read it. We've got about four minutes left. Now, we've all had crazy neighbors. The one who straps a stuffed dinosaur on her head in the winter or one who howls at the full moon while under the influence. Wait, you don't have neighbors like that? Maybe it's just me. But imagine what Noah's neighbors must have thought and said about him. About four generations of people would have witnessed what appeared to be his lunacy. And the same people would have heard his relentless prophecy of doom and gloom. Yet, yet Noah did all that the Lord commanded him, day after day, year after year, decade after decade. He picked up his hammer, his nails, and he went to work. He persevered despite the taunts. He persevered despite his weariness of the wickedness around him and God's failure to bring swift judgment. He persevered despite being nearly 500 years old when he began the construction and 600 years old when the flood finally came. Even as God told him to gather up the animals and board the ark, the weather remained dry. As God himself shut the door behind Noah and his family, still no rain had come. That would take another week. Then it would be another 40 days before the rain stopped and 150 days, nearly six months, of living in history's biggest indoor zoo before they could dis disembark the boat. Even the most diehard animal lover would want to get as far away from that smell as possible. But their work wasn't done. Noah and his family left the ark to rebuild and repopulate the earth. Their home, their community, and their neighbors were gone. This was, this was earth 2.0. So Noah continued to require patient endurance in the Lord. Can it be said of you in the midst of your struggles that you did all the Lord commanded you? Are you willing to endure hardship and scorn as you persevere in your faith? Are you willing to be seen as a fool for Christ? All this requires patient endurance, the kind you cannot muster on your own, but is there for the taking in Christ. God is good, he is present, and he is there to carry you through, even if you must endure hardship for 120 years. I thought that was very good. And it made me appreciate uh, what we have, you know, and God's word and the stories and the things that we get from studying it. So... Comments or questions? We have about a minute. Maybe two. Did, did Moses, 
Did Moses change God's mind? Prayer. Prayer. Can we change God's mind? If it's his will. If it's his will. Yeah, that's a good question. All right. Okay. All righty. Thank you all for being here.